Welcome back, everyone. Uh, I think we're going to have a very different intro than uh, what we've been having from our fanatic. Uh, I think you can, anyone that's watching the video right now, there's just, there's just a look of defeat and sadness in his eyes right now that I can see. Um, you know, Matt, I know it's been a tough, oh, what has it been, about 36 hours or so um over 24 hours but it's always a tough time you know every time your season comes to an end uh so but you know hey thank you for coming on and talking about it uh you know you have a duty to the to our listeners out there right uh and that's you know that's the reality of being a a content uh producer like us you know we just bang out content all the time you, they see your highs and they see your lows. Uh, so I know it was a rough one for you this weekend. Uh, yeah, so I'm sorry the season had to come to an end, but you know what? Let's let's get right into it. I'm sure you have a lot to say. So first, let how about we start off with the game, uh, and then you can kind of do a season reflection. Uh, you know, I was really debating on pulling a, a Shannon Sharp and just calling out for the day, but you're right. I think we do have a duty to give our fans and fanatics out there the content that they want. And they want to see me suffer. I know people hate the Cowboys, so they <laughs> want to see me suffer. But this is not why I'm here. I'm here for myself, honestly. This is my day. I need this moment to vent. Let me have my moment. So thank you, everyone. But back to the main topic. I think as everyone knows, the uh, the Cowboys are now officially eliminated from the playoffs after another defeat to the darn San Francisco 49ers two years in a row. And it makes things worse because uh, my house is just bleeding red right now. And I, I it's painful. It hurts. I just don't like the color red, but. Uh, oh, yeah, because this happy game, Chinese New Year, everyone, right? No, I could give oh. two rats about Chinese New Year <laughs> right now. But oh, I will say, though, this game, it felt more painful to me than last year. To me. Because of how the game was being played out to start. Right, I think if I look at it last year, from a defensive perspective, we struggled. We couldn't stop Debo. We couldn't stop their run game. But this game, our defense was ready. They were up to the task. Dan Quinn got them ready, knew what was coming. They weren't fooled by anything crazy. And yet again, and we'll get into it as we go along in this show, but our offense stunk led by our man, the guy who's been stinking it up all year, our quarterback. But we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to Dak a little later. But as far as this hurting more, like we wasted the opportunity that we presented for ourselves with the defensive effort. And I think that's what kills me the most, is when you hold the 49ers 
This team was rolling. Going into this game, 11 straight wins. I think with Purdy, they were averaging close to 30 points a game. They just dropped 38 points in their last game against Seattle. Looked unstoppable. And yet, our defense holds them to under 20 points, 19 points. So if you're telling me, oh, the Niners scored 19 points, I would have said, oh, we're winning this game easily. We're going to win 27-19, something like that, with the way that we were playing, with the way that we were coming into the game with the momentum. And I think that's what hurts the most. And it's like the way that it ended, it was like that brought back, you know, flashbacks of a little bit from last year in terms of the clock management, some of the coaching decisions, not as bad as last year, but it's still up there. But let me, I, I got, I got some notes in here. So I'm just going to kind of go off this script here. So this game to me, uh, my first takeaway is uh, I got in my notes here. We really missed, and I, I think we talked about this as soon as this trade happened. And I was one of them that was like, this is not good. We missed Amari Cooper today. This was the game that would have put us over the hump with him. Big time. Big time. And it's great to see that we have a true number one now. He's blossomed into a star. And rightfully so, he's wearing number 88. You know, that's a well-represented number in the Dallas wide receiver history. But outside of Mr. Mr. Lamb, we got nothing. And the guy that I'm I'm looking at is Michael Gallup. Like, nice dude, works hard, obviously coming back from an ACL. But, you know, we paid you a long-term contract and a pretty sizable one. And you have come up small every single game this year. You're our wide receiver two. Not even asking you to be wide receiver one. Coming into the year, you probably should have been wide receiver one based off of experience, right? You stunk. This is your duty. Like This is your role. We paid you to do this, to compliment C.D. Lamb. And you no-showed the entire year. And I don't even want to use the ACL as an excuse anymore because it was the whole year. I'll give you credit when you're coming back from the ACL. You know, the first few games, so be it. But there was nothing, nothing at all this year that showed me you're worthy of this contract. And Jerry, I told you from the start, it just didn't make sense why you traded Amari or you trade away Amari Cooper. Why are you picking a guy who's coming or who tore his ACL and you're going to give him a long-term contract versus a guy who's made multiple Pro Bowls, is in the prime of his career, and you give him $20 million a year, and you look at the tape with Amari Cooper, he wins one-on-ones. That's exactly what you needed in this game, is a guy who can win one-on-one and get separation. Outside of CD, you had nobody that could do that. That, and your logic is, oh, we're trying to save money. How did you save money when you signed Michael Gallup? You, like, how? You let Cedric Wilson go too. 
What he's not doing anything in in Miami. Like you could have had all those guys, all those guys. I'm not done yet. You could have had all those guys, and you could have figured out a way to restructure the salary cap. But no, you try to be cheap, because there's always a workaround with this salary cap. And I'm tired of Jerry using this excuse of, oh, we need to get under the salary cap. We need to cut players. Then how did the Rams do it? How did the Rams do that? Because it seems like they just kept signing players. They got Bobby Wagner. They were under the salary cap. They signed Stafford to an extension. How did they do it? They're always struggling for money, but yet they keep signing guys. So why can't we do that? Why couldn't we have Amari Cooper and Cedric Wilson? And Michael Gallup and CD Lamb. Why couldn't we have all of them? If we had just one of them, just Amari Cooper, we would have won this game. That's all. I mean, enough said. Michael Gallup showed you the production, what he's going to produce. Yeah, but we're, we can't do anything with that. So that's that's what you get, Jerry. You're making us suffer, but that's what you get. We're trying to be cheap. Because you had the receiver. You had that wide receiver one, wide receiver two, fringe receiver with Amari Cooper. And he would have been perfectly fine transitioning that role to CD Lamb. Because he doesn't have a diva. Perfect. But I don't get it. I don't get it. And then back to to the game part. So another thing that I took away is in typical cowboy fashion, we left too many points off the board and we gave them way too many. I'm looking at some of the notes that I have. So maybe you can help me keep the math here, keep my math uh, on top, Greg, but two interceptions. So we threw two interceptions as a team slash by our quarterback. The first one resulted in three points. We threw it deep in their territory. Defense bailed you out, holds them to a field goal, but it's still three points that shouldn't be on the board. And the second interception was probably worse because we were in scoring position. We were in field goal range in the red zone. At worst, we're going to get three points. But because you throw that pick back and you forced it in there, not only do we lose points, they ended up getting a field goal to end the half. We would have had the lead going into the half on the road. So that's a six point, at least a six point swing. You might have scored a touchdown. Let's call it nine. But for the benefit of doubt, that's okay. Nine points. That's already, that's nine points already. The score was seven. We would have won the game if you just take care of the ball. Right? Brent Maher, I know he's had his issues. A block kick, block PAT. That's a point off the board as well. Which also we get a probably would have missed anyway. Right. Yeah. It was going to go left to me. So maybe the block was a good thing psychologically psychologically but that's still that's still a point that we we missed out on we get a block punt now late in the third quarter huge momentum swing uh kelvin joseph probably the only play that he's ever made in his dallas cowboy career right that was good yeah he forced the fumble it was a terrific terrific play you get the ball at the san fran at the 20 yard line you're in the red zone and you get three points so you leave four points. That's already 14 points already. Not even including touchdowns with the other field goals. 
14 points. And then this play, my goodness, you mentioned this to me during the game, but Dak can't see the field. Instead, he throws to a covered CD lamb down the seam when uh, T.Y. Hilton is waving his arms wide open for a touchdown. Would have been walked in untouched. We ended up punting. That's seven points. I'm already, at, uh, I'm assuming seven. Let's say well, Maher misses even, the kick. Even, well, even if you assume, right, like T.Y. gets caught or whatever weird reason happens, that's at least three points. At least. Right. That's that's 17. So we're, at, we're at 17 points right there. At, that's being really generous, we're too. Being generous, so yeah. That's like mistakes. And, you know, maybe the Turpin one I kind of wrote down, that's kind of, you know, ticky-tack, but... Bro, you got to beat the kicker. I mean, you ran straight just, into the he, kicker. He took a bad, like I was replaying that. Yeah, he, he took like a bad angle. He could either stayed outside his block or he cut too late. Like he was already going full speed. He had to cut earlier. He just took a bad, bad angle. But when I watched the replay, he could have went outside or he yeah. could have just cut it back in. He just ran straight. Like what? It's like what? he thought he what? could beat the kicker. How? to the spot and then by the time he realized he couldn't he was going too fast already like i'm not going to nitpick that because he had a couple nice returns that really should have helped us out a lot mm -hmm. but man that that one hurt and then obviously late in the game trayvon Diggs, a tip pass it was pretty you know pretty hard kind of quick reaction pass but hit him right in the hands he could have had a pick and that was the same drive they scored the go-ahead touchdown to go up 16-9. You take away that touchdown, you get all the momentum. That's our, I'm already at, what's the math? It's 20, the 24, I think. Yeah. Take away the touchdown. 24-point differential right there. But the ones that I'm more upset about, maybe not the Diggs one, but it's the, the careless ones. You know, you get a turnover, you got to capitalize, and you definitely cannot turn the ball over. Those are the ones that killed us, and it, it would have made a difference. We lost by seven. <laughs> Just those little things make a huge difference in the playoffs, and it's like, this is the same old stuff every year. And I'm looking to you, Jerry. You always complain. Oh, I want to change something. I'm upset. But you don't do anything. What do you do about it? Nothing. You just whine, moan like a little kid. Act like an owner and do something about it. Third takeaway. Let's move on from that. So we already left off the points. But I'm gonna I was gonna talk about this guy, but I'm gonna talk about him last. But let me go to to um uh the play calling, especially. So last week I was really high on this guy. I gave him my A+. Plus. Called a great game offensively. Today, or yesterday, was the exact opposite. And this is why I'm done with this man. I hope someone hires him. I hope, I hope Miami hires him. They should fire Mike McDaniel with all the turmoil. Take this man from me. I, I, I can't take him already. Kellen Moore, that was the... Got to be one of the worst showings I've ever seen as an offensive coordinator. Let's start with the basics, right? What does everybody know about a Dak Prescott-led quarterback team? 
when they run it more than you throw it, good things happen. But when you do the opposite, things don't work out for us. And 37 pass attempts versus, uh, what is this, 16, 22 rush attempts. 22 rushes. Not a good balance right there. And it's not like we were down. We were only down one score at most. And you go away from the run game? Like, that's... How many times we tell you that, Kellen? <laughs> Just because you're down one score doesn't mean you go away from the run. <laughs> you're not down two scores, three scores late in the fourth. Right? It's a one-score game. You can run every single playbook or play in your playbook. And I know this is probably one of the turning points. And really what makes this game kind of hurt the most is when Tony Pollard got hurt in that that freak injury, you know, it wasn't a, to me, a lot of people are saying it was a dirty tackle. I, I don't think it was. He was just trying to bring him down kind of similar to the Mahomes uh, injury, but obviously a lot worse. So Pollard's out for about three months since he's going to get surgery. But with Tony Pollard going out, right, we got Zeke, but you still need someone to compliment him. Like where, where's Malik Davis? Why are you not using him? You can't just rely on Zeke and just try to plow through it against the 49ers. That's that's like asking for trouble. The 49ers are dominant up front and you got to give them credit. So go away from that. We always I always say get Tony Pollard on the edge and good things happen and sure enough that literally is the story. And Malik Davis, he's not Tony Pollard but he has some kind of skill set like him. So you shouldn't lose any sort of at least play calling with that. I mean, it was just ridiculous. He didn't even get a carry. That's absurd to me. He would have been their second best home run hitter outside of CeeDee Lamb at that point. And you don't use that. that like, that's a fireable offense to me. Just because you lose Tony Pollard, doesn't mean it's over. Yes, he's a big loss, but that doesn't mean, oh, everything is about Zeke now. No, <laughs> it was never about Zeke. So why are you going to go back to that? It was always built on thunder and lightning, a 50-50 split in the backfield. Maybe now it's you know 70-30 with Pollard. But you got to give Malik Davis touches on the outside. And then look, I'm just kind of going through my notes here. So what I also noticed, and if I'm noticing this, I sure as I sure as hell better hope that you guys notice this as coaches. But I saw on multiple occasions the San Francisco edge guys were crashing the edge so hard they didn't account for the quarterback run. And I think we called one read option the entire game. And it was a good call because it set up first and goal. We end up scoring a touchdown on that. But when you lose Tony Pollard, especially, why not use Dak? This is the playoffs. We're not trying to be conservative and protect his leg. This is the, the motherfucking playoffs. Run him. Call design runs. This is when you let everything out on the table. Leave it all on the floor. And you had the blueprint because San Fran, they weren't even worried about Dak. 
they were just crashing on Zeke, crashing on Pollard. And the one time you guys did that, you guys got a big gain, 20 yards. Set up first and goal. Why don't you go back to it? They were showing the same look the entire game. And you refused to do any of it. I have no words. And probably the last one, which is might be the most frustrating. But with the 49ers defensive line, why do you let Dak just drop back and pass and just sit in the pocket and just ask him to get cleaned out every single time? Get him out of the pocket. Bootleg him. Get him on the move. That's when Dak is at his best to me. Play action. You roll him out. You get away from Bosa. You get away from Armstead. All those big guys up front. Give him more time. And he, he has the ability to run. You have a quarterback that can move in the pocket and run. And you treat him like he's Tom Brady in the pocket. Or a guy who can't move. <laughs> like, use your skill players and your quarterback wisely. Like, that, that's just coaching right there. If you have a mobile quarterback, use his legs. If you have Lamar Jackson, are you going to let him sit in the pocket and throw 40 times and just stand there and not call any runs? No. That's a waste. Like, I don't want to see – I know you said talk about the offseason later, but I do not want to see Kellen Moore on my team next year. He does not deserve to be an OC. He does not deserve to be a head coach. He deserves to be in college football because that's where he thrived. He didn't thrive in the NFL. He thrived in college. So go back to college. Learn. You went straight to the NFL. Maybe take a step back and look yourself in the mirror because your play calling ain't working. Let me tell you that. And the last thing. Oh, here we go. About this right, game. Get out your popcorn. So. This is gonna take. Hold on. The, let me let me let me drink some water. Okay, first. Go get some water. Uh, I'm taking a, a drink of water. I'm pretty right sure. So we're about halfway through our first segment. A little more than half. Everyone, uh, just brace yourself. I don't know how long this is gonna go, but uh, Matt, you got about 17 minutes to go out on Dak. Oh, so you already you already gave away who I was talking about next. Well, I think everyone knows. But what's coming. let let's <laughs> let's just say. You know, if I had to summarize this game and I just had to say why we lost this game, I don't think I would be alone on this reason. We lose this game because of our darn quarterback, our stinking $75 million quarterback who can't beat a seventh-round draft pick who has less than 10 starts under his belt. He got outplayed by Mr. Irrelevant. Doesn't even have experience in this league. And I got a quarterback who's been in the league for now seven seasons and has done squat, nothing. I think he might be one of those quarterbacks that just gets progressively worse. I don't know what it is. Starts off great. I don't know. Maybe it's the Dak and Zeke effect. They start off great and they just plummet south every single year. It's it's embarrassing. Just embarrassing. I mean, I could sit here and just nitpick every little thing but you know what i'm gonna do that right now actually i think it's well deserved because of how poorly he played so i already talked about the two picks 
And this is this is the thing about Dak. It's the ability when he just second guesses himself and he's just just sitting in the pocket and it's like I got all day to throw and it's like I'm expecting this guy to catch the ball no matter what. No. The first pick, I don't know, and this is Kellen Moore. How many stick routes are you gonna call? The 49ers figure that out from the first quarter. Like first interception. It's supposed to be like a stick or some kind of comeback to Gallup. And the timing was so off, so off. Gallup didn't even turn around yet and he threw the ball. Like Dimitri Lenore, shout out Oregon Duck, by the way. But he was the guy running the route. <laughs> he knew exactly what was happening and Gallup didn't. First off, why are you even throwing the ball? Your receiver didn't even turn around. And that route that you're throwing, it's supposed to be a one-step drop. You're sitting in the pocket. He's like taking three, four steps and then throws it. That's that's too long. I don't know if it was Gallup or Dak, but they weren't on the same page, let me tell you that. And you know whose job that is to, to work on that? It's the quarterback. And then the second one. Probably the worst one to me. Worst one. The worst one. Now... Based off everything that happened, so Maher, obviously having kicking moves, we go for it on fourth down. Dak makes a nice scramble, gets a first down. Next play after that is the Tony Pollard injury, right? So now you're like, oh, God, like, our guy's out. It doesn't look good. Like, you're just kind of in shock. So at this point, all you're asking for is, okay, we got under two minutes left, right? Tie game. We're in score, uh, in the red zone. Like, let's just get the lead and go into the half and just reset. The first play after the injury, everyone is still just like traumatized from this Tony Pollard injury. Don't even know what happened. Like, we're just in shock, and you just make everything worse. <laughs> Throw a pick, and it was like, wasn't even like a good read. Like, I don't even know what you're looking at. Again, another stick route. Kellen Moore, I don't know why you keep calling it. The 49ers were all over it the entire game. It was not working. But one, CeeDee Lamb is double covered. Two, it's a stick route. You're supposed to get rid of the ball as soon as you snap it. It's a like a one-stop, one-stop read, one-step read. You snap the ball, take one step, boom, get rid of it. If it's not there, look for your second option, your check down, or run. But what do you do, Dak? You're just standing in the pocket. Two steps, three steps, four steps. You double pump. You can't do that on a stick route. It's a hot read. Get rid of the ball or run. You're in the red zone too. That's what makes it worse. So instead of going into the half with at least three points, maybe seven, which would have been nice, but at least three with the game was with the way the game flow is working. At least three. Because you knew it was going to be a defensive battle the whole game. Both defenses were just playing out of your mind. So you just want to get points any way possible. Mm -hmm. And not only did you take away our points, you gave them three points down the other end. They're going into the into the locker room, 9-6, like, oh, wow, like we didn't play that good, but hey, we're still up on Dallas. That could have been us. And you never know what happens 
when you get the lead at half because all the momentum is with that team that gets that last minute score into the half. And you suck the life out of that for us. And I talked about this play already, but I'm going to go back to uh, the earlier in the drive. So we talked about the Fred Warner throw. You know, he missed T.Y. Hilton. Earlier in the drive, first play of the game, we finally get a deep shot. We got the look that we wanted. We got CD on the outside. He wins his matchup, beats his man, and you underthrow him by like 10 yards. And luckily, it's CD Lamb, top five receiver in this league to me, makes an incredible catch with the PI. But you hit him in stride, and there's no safety over the top. So it's not that you got to drop it in a bucket. Let CD Lamb go out. And hit his head on the goalpost. <laughs> At worst, you would get an extra 15 to 20 yards. And with that, you would have been in field goal range. At least. I pay you $75 million, $75 million last year. I would expect you to hit a goal route one-on-one -on -one with your number one wide receiver, beating his corner with no safety in the back. That should be pitch and catch. You had a clean pocket on that pass too, so there is no excuse. Imagine for if that. Tool if Tool makes that throw. Oh my goodness, absolutely I, slaughtered. Honestly, if Tool Tool would probably make that throw with Tyreek Hill or no Tyreek Hill with anybody. Honestly, anybody would have made that throw. Just throw it up. There's no safety. Lead him. Just poor, poor quarterback play. And he got even lucky on the on late in the game too, right? 49ers kicked the field goal up by seven with three minutes left. First play, first, like I kid you not, the first play, again, another stick route. I don't know why they're calling that again. Dre Greenlaw drops the pick six. I was like, oh my goodness. Just lucky. So I already gave you enough of that, Dak. But my goodness. Like, just the, the confidence that you instill in your team, it just baffles me. Because if I was playing on that team, I would have no faith in you. And you keep saying the same thing over and over. Oh, yeah, i got to clean it up. Well, too late now. The season's over. <laughs> I don't want to be hearing any of that. Like, look at the numbers that he had to finish. This is a He had 17 picks for the season <laughs> led the NFL in picks and he missed five games. That's ridiculous. Over one pick a game on average. He's thrown one or more interceptions in 11 of his last 14 games. That is horrendously awful. Terrible. That's you shouldn't even be in the NFL. If you do that. Six multi-interception games this year. Tied with Josh Allen for most in the league. But also, oh, Josh Allen played every game this year. You missed five. So knowing that, you probably would have had eight or nine two interception games. I mean, I know, okay, I'm going to go to this point now. And I know it, it. I might sound like a broken record. But I genuinely believe this. If Cooper Rush is playing this game, we win this game. 
Because this was not a game about, oh, we got to outscore the other guy. No, this was a defensive game. This is the blueprint that we were playing with early in the year, right? Your defense is playing well. Run the ball, play action off of that, and play good defense. And we had the defense. So we we had that plan to implement, and you didn't do that. That's on the coaching for not recognizing that, and that's on the quarterback play. You got to know that your job as a quarterback it's not to put up gaudy numbers. I'm paying you to win games. When does Tom Brady ever care about, oh, I got to win. I got to throw five touchdowns every game. No. I just got to get my guys set up to score and score more than the other team. I gave Dak Prescott an A-plus last game. Gets an absolute F. Maybe a Z, lower than an F. Lowest thing possible. Dude was awful. Straight garbage. Dak could have had a good game and he could have threw no touchdowns. Like, I kid you not. He doesn't throw two picks in this game. We win the game. You got to know what you're going up against. It's a defensive game. Play to that. I don't pay you the big bucks to, to put up numbers. I pay you the big bucks to win games. And there's times in a game or in a season where, yes, you ask your quarterback, put us on our back, give us one drive. You know, you got to drop back and throw it six, seven times. That's when we need you to, to air it out. But the rest of the time, I just need you to manage the game. If it's a shootout, okay, then let's lace it up and let's go. But if it's going to be a low scoring game, manage the game, take the check down. If your first read's not there, run and take five yards. Throw it away. If you're in field goal range, be extra conservative in a defensive game. You don't want to make the big mistake. And he just, he did that the entire year. Just sad. It, it's, it's sad. Because I can't root for this guy anymore. Every single year, he comes up small. And every year, oh, yeah, Dak is the guy. No, he's not the guy anymore. He's had seven years to prove himself, and he hasn't won anything. Seven years. I think that's a large enough sample size to say he can't win. we can't win a Super Bowl with him. Maybe we can, but not with the way that he's playing. Maybe that's on the OC, on the coaching, whatever. But I'm done with this man. I'm done. <laughs> I think in the draft, I know we'll talk about this later in the in the season, but we should be drafting a quarterback. I'm Jerry Jones. I'm drafting the quarterback. Maybe not early in the in the rounds, but a day three guy, you know, a proven college guy, similar resume to Brock Purdy, maybe four year starter. I don't know who's out there, but I'm taking a quarterback. I'm taking a quarterback because I've seen enough of what number four can do. And he had everything in his lap to succeed today. He had the defense's help. And it was so frustrating that Micah Parsons was literally blaming the offense after the game. He shouldn't be doing that. But the fact that he said that already tells me what's going on in the locker room. 
they're sick of it. They're sick of the defense and everybody else, CD Lamb, all these guys making plays. And this quarterback just keeps coming up small. And yet we got a guy on the bench who is not sexy at all by any means, but he just wins. And he, everyone just laughs at me with this Cooper Rush thing, but we win this game with Cooper Rush. We win this game with Cooper Rush. And it's it pains me to see, but we might lose them too. I hope we don't, but my goodness. Dak Prescott, this got to be the lowest of lows for you. Just, I have no words already. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done with Dak. Done with the season. Let's let let's get let's get to the Yankees already. The Yankees are playing in two months. I, I'm ready for some baseball. Well, I think I think I bored you enough already, Greg. No, I mean, <clears throat> hey, this is the last time you're gonna talk about. Sh- the Cowboys. It's not the last time because we're gonna talk this, about the free season. agency. Okay, okay. Draft. Well, about you know all this, this stuff. It was a tough time. It's always hard when your favorite team loses any sport. I get that. Um, so you know, I wanted to give you your time to to vent and stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was a it's a it's a tough one. Uh, I'm not gonna lie to you. So, you know what? I I think you did a lot of talking. I'm going to let you catch your breath there. Uh, we don't have that much time left in this first segment. Uh, so, you know, we'll we'll go over a little bit. We'll still, you know, give you a chance. Whole season reflection, re- really small, small stuff. And then we can, you know, we'll finish up the rest of the games. Because there were three other games that happened this weekend, everyone. Um, so we will get to those games and we'll talk about the other games. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll just um, chime in with my quick thought. I mean, I I wouldn't say I've been a Dak defender necessarily this year. Uh, I think you know overall he is a better talent than Cooper Rush, but like you said, there are just I think there's just levels um to this quarterback play, and um, I think Dak wants to be elite, right? Like you can tell he's not comfortable just being a game manager, a system quarterback, whatever word you want to use, and it to me like you you highlighted it but uh even the the throw to cd i i can kind of excuse right at least cd caught it whatever the throw to gallop uh at the end of the game that's a tough one also would have been a tough throw like you said to me the worst one that second pick uh basically that that six point swing right there can't have that one uh going to the half with points yeah well you know what we can talk a little bit more about the Cowboys in the second segment. So give you a chance to catch your breath. Uh, we'll uh, get to more football right after this. Okay. Well, yeah, that was pretty much Matt talking for about 40 minutes there. Uh, he still has a, just a couple things he's going to reflect on. Then we'll move on for the Cowboys, I promise. Uh, so Matt, you know, just I guess reflecting as a whole on the season, uh, maybe give me a surprise, a pleasant surprise, and then kind of a disappointment. Could be a player, coach, you know, aspect, whatever, whatever it may be. 
surprise. I think my surprise, I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to say Cooper Rush. I think, all kidding aside, I did not see a 4-1 play come into, come into fruition with Cooper Rush as our quarterback this year. We saw Cooper Rush last year, or I guess you could say two seasons ago, um, winning that game in Minnesota in place of Dak. Uh, but that was one game. But for Cooper Rush to come in this year with the way that the season started and it felt like all hope was lost, he brought he saved our season. We're not in the playoffs without him. His ability to manage the game to me was just outstanding. And credit to Kellen Moore and the coaching staff for understanding that. So keeping it simple, I think Cooper Rush definitely is my surprise. Didn't see that coming at all. I don't think anybody did out of Cabo Nation. So I'm going to give Cooper Rush his flowers there. Obviously, you know, with the whole joking aside, he was he was outstanding. Um, the disappointment, uh, you know, might sound like a broken record, but how, how can I not say Dak Prescott? I mean, he's been in the league now for seven seasons. It seems like he's getting worse. He's never been known as a turnover-prone quarterback until this year. And it was so bad, he led the league in interceptions and turnovers. And he missed five games, which is the, the painful irony of it. So it would have been a lot worse. And I, I just can't defend quarterback play like that because we paid him the big bucks to show up in the big moments just because he wins one playoff game doesn't mean he's all of a sudden he's he's excused no <laughs> you signed the big contract and hey you wanted it that's your choice happy for you but that comes with responsibility and if you don't deliver you're going to get the blame from us. And the way that you play is just disappointing to me. You just can't turn over the ball like that. And you led the league in interceptions and turnovers. I don't think you can be more disappointed in that, to be honest. So keeping it simple, I'm keeping it in the quarterback room. Those are my, I guess you say, my surprise and my disappointment is in the Dallas quarterback room easy one for me hmm. okay well you know what matt uh we'll have time we'll talk off-season stuff i'm sure you have a lot of comments and stuff uh what they should do who they should keep who should be let go we'll get to all of that um but you know I, I mean i know it's a disappointment anytime you don't win the super bowl so uh yeah it's gonna be a long off-season for you sorry but you know what playoffs go on uh, and we are a show that we will continue to talk about football. Uh, so let's get to the other games. We'll stick with the NFC, right? So we'll get over to the uh, other two NFC East teams that got the chance to play each other, right? Uh, so Giants and the Eagles. Uh, I mean, quite frankly, it wasn't close. It wasn't, uh, I guess you could say, the Giants finally, you know, their their miracle run season kind of ran out. Uh, I, I, 
I think the Jags and the Giants right now, very similar, had very similar years, right? No one was expecting them to do this well, made the playoffs, uh, even won a game, right? That uh, they probably weren't necessarily huge favorites in. Uh, so, you know, pr- props to Brian Dable and, you know, Daniel Jones. For most of the year, he played well, uh, turnover free, but he just kind of got overwhelmed by this Philly, uh, you know, defense. And uh, yeah, they're not quite there. I think we saw that from the Giants. On the other hand, flip side on, on the Eagles, um, I think that we saw them firing back on all cylinders. Jalen Hurts, my number two quarterback, looked really, really good. Uh, shoulder looked fine. His legs looked fine, right? Kind of what I was, um, why I had him so high on my list, right? Not just because of the arm, but uh, because of how how he can use his legs, and uh, quite frankly, it I mean it wasn't even close, right? Not a thirty eight to seven, just blowout uh, domination. It was twenty eight to zero in the first half. Uh, so crazy. I mean, I know we've seen some teams blow some crazy leads, but uh, Philly at home with their ability to to control the clock, and you know they even got to rest a lot of their guys for Zen. I mean, Kenneth Gainwell, their third string running back. Ended up with 112 yards on 12 touches. So just absolutely shredded that, uh, you know, that Giants front, which was kind of their strong suit on defense, right? They had the, their two uh, two guys up front, Dexter Lawrence, who's an all-pro, I believe, this year. And they got Leonard Williams, uh, two really good, capable guys. But, you know, they just shut uh, – they just ran the ball right down the Giants' throats, I mean. 44 carries for 268 68. yards. <laughs> yeah, uh, complete, you know, domination. Uh, so, you know, I thought I thought it was a decent, decent performing, uh, decent season for the Giants, but the Eagles, they're ready. Um, and it's going to be a really good championship game, I think. Uh, but we'll get to that. I mean, not too much to say on this one, right, Matt? Just kind of outclassed, maybe at the moment i think they i mean to keep it simple the eagles are better on paper and if they play better and if they show up they would have beat the giants i said the giants were going to win this game though just based off of momentum and i didn't think they were going to win just because it's hard to beat a team three times and that's exactly what the eagles did so you beat a team three times you're, you're just straight up better than them there's really not nothing you can do about it so i don't think anybody's surprised about the Eagles really moving on in this game and they kind of just flex their muscles Oof. and really what showed what they can do if they're clicking all cylinders. Like Jalen Hurts didn't really have a, a big game, right? When you have 268 yards, 268 yards rushing, I think life will be pretty easy offensively. So I think Hurts just did a good job. Kind of like what I would want as a quarterback, you know, when you have a situation, just manage the game, man. Just don't do anything crazy. He took care of the ball, made plays when he had to. What yeah. more can you ask for? So I, I'll tip my hat to Jalen Hurts because I did have him pretty low on my list. So he's definitely above my guy right now. Or <laughs> one of my guys. I'll say that. One of your guys. The starter so guy. I'll tip my hat. Yeah, he's above the starting, not the backup. So... <laughs> Okay. Tip my hat to you, Mr. Hertz. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, he played well. Yeah. Uh. Well, we'll get into our our conference championship previews. Um. 
But let's let's head over to the AFC. So the first game that happened was the Jags and the Chiefs. Uh, you know the Jags. Hey, they they gave Kansas City all all they had or all they could handle, right? Um, I thought the Jags defense. You know, I know twenty seven points, but I thought they kept uh you know Jacksonville in the game for for most of it. Um, you know they didn't let Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey just take over. Uh, I mean they they limited Patrick Mahomes. He only had one hundred and ninety five yards passing. To me though, uh, the backbreaker was the Chad Henney drive of the day. That oh, probably yeah. Uh, you know I don't know if they laid off a little bit. Uh, I mean Chad Henney didn't do a ton, uh, on that drive, but he you know led the offense, got them all the way down the field and threw the touchdown. But, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting, right? Kansas City, we, who, we think of Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, this this offense for the air, all his special plays, he's jumping and throwing, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, you know, after Patrick Mahomes got hurt, it became a running game. They had 30 rushes for 144 yards. Not something you typically expect out of a Kansas City, Andy Reid-led offense. But, you know, Isaiah Pacheco, we talked about him a little bit throughout this year. He's good. Uh, he's good. Like, he's a he's one of those workhorse backs. He's a physical runner, right? He has he has some burst, but he's not afraid to put his head down uh, and go right at you, right? And so I thought, uh, yeah, I was, I was surprised that, you know, Andy Reid was willing to go away from, you know, sometimes, right, we, we've seen to a fault from Andy Reid. He tries to get too creative or maybe too, like, tries to flex his offensive genius a little bit too much, and that has come back to bite him, right? But, uh, you know, props to Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes being okay with, you know, just handing the ball off uh, to McKinnon and Pacheco, getting the tough yards, uh, grinding clock. So, I mean, I've just kind of been blown away with Patrick Mahomes this whole year because – you know, he's not forcing the deep stuff uh, that he, he had been so used to with Tyreek. You know, the explosive plays. And, uh, yeah, he, I mean, it's just scary, right? When when guys that are home run hitters, for example, right, are, are willing to just take base hits because uh, they know it'll help them win the game. Like, it's hit okay. For average. Are, yeah, you hit for average. Like, what are you going to do, right? You're kind of relying on them to be who they are you play into that and you know you can stop them but now they they're showing they're completely flexible on offense uh i don't know how teams are going to game plan for kansas city i've just like these they have potentially two games left i think they're going to be a handful for any team uh but over to jacksonville you know i mean it was a good run for dougie p i think they established a culture that chargers win that's something they can definitely move forward with uh, as long as Trevor Lawrence is their quarterback, I, I don't see any reason for this team to give up in a game, right? No matter how big they're down. I think that's a that that game was a huge win for uh this Jags franchise moving forward. And uh, you know, they, they add one or two guys on both sides of the ball, uh, kind of on their I think in their secondary. Um, and uh they add maybe one more splash offensive signing. I mean, I like Christian Kirk. Uh, Zay Jones and what Evan Ingram have done this year, but you add like maybe one more guy or maybe, um, you know, Joe Michael Hasty becomes more used on offense because, you know, we saw him use pretty well. 
But yeah, I, I think the Jags have a lot to, to build on. And I think there could be a pretty uh, desirable spot come free agency. But, you know, at the end of the day, Kansas City, I think just a little bit more experience um, kind of, you know, at home to did, did enough uh, to win that game. I think in Jacksonville, the reason why they lost to is kind of like every playoff game, right? If you make that big turnover, that just kills you. And I think the Jacksonville turnover that killed them was when they threw the pick at the at the goal line against Kansas City. That was kind of the, the nail in the coffin. Because if you score a touchdown, you're you put all the pressure on Kansas City to execute in the fourth. And oh, the I think fumble. the fumble. The, the, or is the fumble, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. That the Agnew pick, fumble. The pick was after. Yeah. That one was brutal. Yeah. Because Kansas City ended then, up yeah, having Trevor to ends punt. up doing a pick too. Yeah, and but Kansas City had mm-hmm. to punt the next two times. So, yep. So you would have had two chances basically to get three or you score a touchdown. You never know. So I think that's something that they'll, they'll learn from it. I think Trevor's going to learn. Uh, he also had a pretty ugly pick late in the game, but yeah, th- this team is, is going to be scary. I think. And with the way the AFC South looks right Ooh. now, kind of hard, kinda hard to see them losing. Now. It might be their division for the next, you know, couple of years. So, yep, the sky is the limit for them. I still think they need another running back, though, outside of ETN. I was shocked that they traded James Robinson, but I still think you need a guy to to complement ETN better. So Michael Hasty is nice, but I, I think ETN is kind of your home run hitter. I think you need a, a physical backup running back that can get you tough yards, take less pressure off of ETN you know, less beating in the trenches. So I think that's the piece that they need for me. I, I like their skill players outside. Christian Kirk, didn't really see him coming this year. Let me tell you that. <laughs> Zay Jones is doing pretty well out there too. So they got they got some guys, but I think they need a complimentary back to, to ETN. And this offense is going to be pretty scary, I think, with yeah. 16. Oof. Yeah, it's it's gonna be scary. Um, and like you said, it's just the missed opportunities. Even Christian Kirk, right? He had that bomb go right off his hands, perfectly thrown. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence, I mean, mm-hmm. hit him right in the hands. You know, it, it it just comes down to plays like that in the playoffs where you gotta capitalize when the opportunity presents itself, right? Because the defense gets tougher. So when you have a chance to hit big plays like that, and you don't, uh, more often than not, they come back to bite you. So. Uh, Kansas City is moving on to face Matt's um, <laughs> Matt's prediction. So the Cincinnati Bengals, my one loss on the weekend was the Buffalo Bills. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, looking at this game, uh, it just kind of seemed like once Cincinnati got out to that big lead uh, and, you know, we talk about how Buffalo – they're a Josh Allen offense, more or less, right? Like, they don't run the ball. Uh, they've never run the ball consistently. And especially when they're going to get down 14-0 off the jump at home, right? The pressure starts to build. DeMar Hamlin, uh, do, he's doing well now. But, he, you know, he was back in the building, in the sweep. Uh, a lot of emotions to play for. The crowd is is just willing this team, wants this team uh to win and move on and i think the bills kind of started to feel that a little bit right 
uh, at least on offense, Josh Allen, you know, it's hard, right? I mean, it was snowing. A lot of guys were slipping everywhere. A lot of the defenders, right? You kind of make one cut as an offensive guy. You can't react uh, fast enough as a defensive player. So I I wasn't expecting a 17-point win uh, by either team, to be honest. I thought this was going to be one of those classic games comes down to the last possession you know kick yeah or pick last guy to have the ball wins but if i'm being honest uh it seemed just like a game plan and i guess you could say coaching mismatch in this one i think uh, zach taylor had his guys more prepared um had a better scheme on offense especially uh than the bills did and so well first of all let's get to what i i liked from cincinnati right so you know we talk about it all the time the keys yes it's joe burrow yes it's you know joe shiesty top three quarterback maybe in the league right now other joe but it's the other joe like we always say if joe mixon is involved uh that takes a lot of the pressure off joe burrow needing to make plays, right? And forcing throws. And that's exactly what we got. So Cincinnati as a team, 34 rushes for 172 172 yards. They ran the ball more than they threw, which is something you're not you don't uh or I'm sorry. It, it was basically it was basically a 50-50 split. Yeah, 50-50 split. Right. Um but even at that, that's something you're not really used to seeing from from Cincinnati, but it the running game was just so effective. I mean, they're getting six seven eight yards uh on per a carry pretty much right and so when the running game is working like that it just makes everything easier you play action off of it uh you got to stack the box a little bit more you're leaving jamar chase and you know guys like t higgins out there and you know i mean even jamar chase he was their leading receiver he had five catches for 61 yards nothing nothing too crazy or flashy about it um but you know Credit to Cincinnati. I, I think they just had the better game plan on offense and uh they really frustrated the Bills on um when Cincinnati was on defense. Uh I haven't seen Buffalo look that bad offensively in, in a long time. So uh I guess we'll get over to that side of the ball. I I mean, just Josh Allen looked, you know, pretty human, <laughs> I would say, for most of this game. Um you know, the, the big shots really weren't there. Uh, I know he had a couple nice ones to Diggs. Or, I mean, sorry, not to Diggs. Uh, to Gabe Davis, he had, like, one to Gabe Davis. Um, and I think Dawson Knox had Knox had one. Had a 30-yard catch. But other than that, I mean, it felt really quiet from this Buffalo offense. Um, and I think it just came down to you know, they kept, I felt like they did a really good job keeping Josh Allen relatively in the pocket. Don't, they didn't let him run out, you know, too much um, or do anything like that. But, you know, they just kind of controlled the clock. Uh, I mean, 33 minutes, 26 minutes for, for uh, Cincinnati. And that's how you beat these explosive offenses. The less chances you give them, you know, that's less opportunities for them to score. So, um, yeah, just 
really surprised uh, how this game went. And, um, yeah, Cincinnati, they're a scary team right now, too. I would not want to want to be facing them anywhere. <laughs> um, what do you think? I think this is this is the, the game of Joe's right here. I mean, you touched on Joe Mixon. I mean, I think – do you think Zach Taylor listens to us or what? I mean, <laughs> like, Joe Mixon, 20 carries? When do you ever see that? At least recently. So – Nice to see them get their workhorse back going, and especially if it's snowing too, right? You wanna, you wanna get some cheap yards, easy yards. Hard to throw the ball in the snow, so obviously a perfect game plan. Um, and I think that might be a difference too, right? Buffalo doesn't really have a Joe Mixon or a, a number one back. It's a more running back by committee, you could say. Singletary, yeah, maybe he's the lead back, but he's not gonna workhorse you. So I think. Joe Mixon, obviously a huge difference on the Cincinnati side. And Joe Burrow, I mean, what what else can you say about this guy? I mean, this might have been his best game ever, at least in the NFL so far, based off of the, the circumstances. I think the numbers aren't really, you know, wow. I mean, 242 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. But the thing that I look at is, one, no picks. He took care of the ball more than Josh Allen. That's already a huge thing. In the playoffs, turnovers are huge. And Joe Burrow took care of the ball. And I was really impressed with, with his reads. And funny how everything just comes back to Dallas. But Joe Burrow, it was quick. Everything was quick. He knew exactly where he was going to go. If it wasn't there, throw it away or take another check down. Right? Deep ball is not there. Let me dump it to P. Ryan. Get, let him get five yards. Like, that is just precise, perfect execution by a great quarterback. And Joe Burrow doesn't have the biggest arm, not the fastest guy, but a lot of people are saying he's the closest thing to Tom Brady right now. And that performance was pretty scary Tom Brady-esque to me. So I got to give my flowers. He was my number two quarterback, let me say that. So he's making me look good. He's not number one to me, but that's okay. No shame in that. But Joe Burrow was huge. And I think Buffalo, I don't know, man. I mean, maybe are they a team that's kind of reliant on Stefan Diggs to make big plays? Is that just kind of how to beat them now? Because Diggs was obviously, he's kind of making news with his uh, frustrations post game, but he, they took him away. Eli Apple, Mike Hilton, all those corners locked them down, made them frustrated. And I don't know, maybe that's that's the recipe to beat Buffalo now. If you take away Diggs, does Allen trust his other guys like Dave, Dave Davis, Dawson Knox? Can they make enough plays? And today or yesterday, that wasn't the case. So I don't know, Buffalo, what, what do they do from here? Do they get another you know, high-level receiver? I think they need a running back, a high quality running back to take pressure off of Josh Allen. But yeah, I think the lack of the running game to me for Buffalo is in this game huge, but really ever since Josh Allen became a prolific passer, it's kind of been a, a weakness for them. And they, they need to adjust that to take that next that next step. Yeah, and before we move on, I just gotta say I can't get over how Buffalo doesn't use Naheem Hines more. I think yeah. he's like a, they traded like, for him too. 
I think he could be a, the number one back on this team, like truly, but they just don't use him in the running game at all. So, you know what? Neither here or there, but I just don't get it. You see, you see how explosive he is with the ball in his hands. Two kickoff returns for a touchdown in one game. Like that, that takes someone special to do, right? So, but that, that it doesn't make sense to me because they, it's, they traded for him. Like you don't trade for someone and then, oh, sit on the bench. Like you trade for someone, you want them playing and want them on the field. So that, that to me was always a, a head scratcher from that first game since they got him. Um, okay, well, let's finish up our football segment here. So let's move on to the conference championship games and we'll, we'll give our predictions, right? Uh, Matt, let's, let's start off with the NFC first, right? So we have the Niners visiting the Eagles. Uh, I think this is going to be a great game. Uh, personally, I mean, I still got, I think I got the Eagles slightly, right? They, they were my Super Bowl pick, uh, when we did our predictions so i'm gonna stick with the eagles um I, i'm thinking this is gonna be a this has to be a close game uh to me i'm i'm thinking this is like a 27 to 23 type of game uh actually you know what i think 27 is too many points i'm gonna go with like 24 to 20 eagles that that'll be my final prediction score 24 to 20 uh and i think it's it's going to come down to for the first time that we're going to see in the playoffs Brock Purdy is going to make a crucial mistake uh he's going to be on the road hostile environment in philly a lot of pressure i think he's going they're going to be down and i think it's either going to be he holds onto the ball a little bit too long takes a sack fumble or he's going to he's going to throw a bad pick that's that's how i'm feeling this game goes eagles control out of the clock uh, as they do i don't think we're gonna see too many possessions in this one um but i got i got the eagles well i'm gonna go with the 49ers in this one and i think this is more about the defense in this one i just think the niners defense is just way better than the eagles the eagles defense is very vulnerable and i know they gave up seven points to daniel jones but don't let that fool you because they were, they were struggling late in the year. And just because you do good in one game, as it's shown to the Dallas Cowboys, doesn't mean all your problems are fixed just like that. And I think I trust the San Francisco defense to contain Jalen Hurts. I don't think he's seen a defense like the 49ers. They've had a pretty easy schedule for the most part this year. So this is definitely going to be a tough test for them. And I think this is going to come down to the Eagles offensive line, can they protect Jalen Hurts versus that gauntlet, that gauntlet up front? That 49ers front is loaded with talent. So I think the 49ers have the edge. And I think it's going to be more of the, the script. I think Brock Purdy is going to stay on script. The 49ers can run the ball. I think they're going to get Debo much more involved this game. Um, so I, I'm going to say it's 49ers. 24-20 49ers over the Eagles. I think I trust the the 49ers defense to get a, a last possession stop against Jalen Hurts because I haven't seen Jalen Hurts do it yet. So I'm I'm going to bet money that he's not until they see it. So I think the Niners defense is going to be, be key in this one. 
Yeah, I think whoever gets out to a lead early here, I think whoever's leading at the half probably goes on to win the game. So I think it's really important for either team to get an early lead and then establish their run game. You know, obviously both these teams really dependent on the run game. Uh, they do it in different ways, but whichever team can control the clock a little bit more, keep the other offense off the field, like I've been saying, um, <clears throat> is going to be the winner in this one. And, you know, that's just kind of been the trend throughout the playoffs now. I mean, uh, we have we didn't have a single 300-yard passer in the divisional round, right? Uh, and that's kind of how, you know, it's been throughout the whole year, right? We've, you know, you've heard these NFL analysts talk about how the defense across the league has shifted from that single high, more of it's a cover two now. No one's giving up big plays. Almost no one's giving up big plays. And so... Uh, that's kind of been the key to success. I think, I just think Philly uh, is going to do a little bit better job um, of controlling the clock uh, because, I mean, it's just the Jalen Hurts uh, ability to run the ball that I think is is going to give them the slight edge um, in this one. So, yeah, that's why I got that one. Um, and then I guess we can move, jump over to the AFC so AFC, oof, this is gonna be a tough one. I think this is gonna be a complete um not opposite game, but it's gonna be definitely more involved uh with the quarterback and uh the skill position players on offense, right? So both teams have talent. I think I do like the Bengals skill players more, but I are you gonna pick who I think? No, I'm still gonna stick with Kansas. Oh, uh, dang it! <laughs> because it sounds like uh Patrick Mahomes is gonna play, right? Um, but he's not gonna be. He's not gonna be the same Patrick Mahomes we're used to seeing. Right, he was limited, and now we're gonna see. I think this this game is gonna be the real test. You know, I talked about earlier they were able to adapt their offense. Uh, and how they how they operate to less of the home run ball, more of the take what you're given uh, offensive style. But now, if Patrick Mahomes is not able to move around like he really wants to, like the Patrick Mahomes we're so used to seeing with all the crazy plays he's able to make on the run, that to me is going to be uh, the biggest question. Can Patrick Mahomes be the Brady, uh, be the Burrow? precision pocket passer uh when it counts you know the cincinnati defense like you said a little underrated uh they they did a pretty good job throughout the playoffs and i mean quite frankly on this 10 game stretch that they're on uh kept josh allen in check at home it's going to be a big task for kansas city especially if uh you know patrick mahomes isn't a hundred percent ready to go but uh like I said in the previously, the reason I'm just going to give a slight, slight nod to Kansas City. I think this one's going to be a little bit more high scoring, though. Uh, I got Kansas City. I'm going to say something like 31 to 30. Like I think it's going to be that close. Um, I'm going to give it to Kansas City uh, just because of the fact that I, I, I like what Zach Taylor's done but I still trust Andy Reid a little bit more uh, at home. You know, it's a tough place to play. 
I know that the I know the Bengals play them really tough in that's in Arrowhead, right? But uh, I think Andy Reid is gonna have a game plan ready, uh, for that Bengals defense, and I think it's gonna be a classic game. Probably go down as uh, I think might be the best game of these playoffs so far. But I got Kansas City. Yeah, I'll say thirty-one to thirty at home. Ooh, I scored. Okay. So I think in this game, obviously with Patrick Mahomes now being kind of limited with that ankle injury, um, how much is he going to be able to move around, extend the plays? I don't think it's going to be as much as normal. So I, I think if the Bengals defense that showed up against Buffalo comes to play, the Bengals should win this game by, by 10, but I don't think that's going to happen. But I think the Bengals defense like I've said in our playoff prediction, I should say their team overall might not be the best at one specific unit, but they're the most complete, well-rounded team. And I think that's where it comes into play because they got the quarterback that can go head-to-head. They got the skill position players, but I think the difference in this game seems to be a trend for me. But the defense, I like the Kansas City, I mean the Cincinnati defense to contain Patrick Mahomes in this one. I think Joe Burrow, you're going to see a lot of what we saw last game, I would think. Nothing too flashy, going to take the check downs, quick passes, especially with his offensive line um, being nicked up. So I'm going to see a lot of quick passes, quick reads, and I better see a lot of Joe Mixon, Zach Taylor. So I think, unlike you, I'm going to say it's a little more low scoring. I think the Bengals come out on top, 27-24. I'm going to say Evan McPherson is going to end this game on a walk-off kick in regulation. So it's going to be another nail-biter, but I got the Bengals in this one. Okay, well, I guess we'll see um, how that goes. It's going to be a fun Sunday. I got I to gotta say one more thing, though. All right. I think we we deserve a round of applause for ourselves <laughs> because we picked all four of these teams, and they're in the championship, so... We must be doing something right. Yeah. I don't know. I think maybe we just we're just good at this. I don't know. Yeah, maybe we just watch too much football. <laughs> we have no, we have no life. Um. Yeah, that's what will happen when your girlfriend is uh is away. <laughs> so a <laughs> lot of time for sports. Um, uh, I'll just say you know I want to go. Well, we'll go back after the Super Bowl. But man, I could not have been more wrong about Tom Brady and the Bucks this year. I just can't get over uh how bad they were. You know, like my MVP. I I think Patrick Mahomes probably is gonna win, right? Him or you could argue Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Uh, probably one, one of those, those two. two. Yeah. Um. But man, could not be more wrong. Had I, I I'm trying to remember who was my. I think I had Kansas City and Tampa Bay in my Super Bowl. Right, uh, I think that's what mine was. So, I think was mine was. Oh, yours! Was I Buffalo. had Buffalo, Buffalo, and well, I said the Cowboys, but unbiased was Tampa. Yeah. So I was wrong on that one. Yeah, and I think I had like way off. Yeah, <laughs> Tampa and in Kansas City. So, yeah, the, I mean, I just say that because you know Brady. What what is what is the next move now? Um, we're hearing. I mean, Miami always just always rumors. Lamar, Tom, like 
I think they're going to stick with Tua. I think Tua is the right move with this offense right now. But who knows? Steven Ross, who knows what's going to happen? Um, I think they're going to hire Kellen Moore. I think that'd be a great move. Stop saying they're going to hire Kellen Moore. You know that's not going to happen. No, they they got to they need to change something up. Something wasn't right at the end of the year. They got to well, change it up. I just got to say, I uh, want to float this idea out to you. I want you to think about this for the next uh, couple couple weeks i guess before we get back to this but what do you think about mr brady joining america's team oh he would never he would <laughs> never why not he should have been he the owner <laughs> i mean it's a if win tom now. brady if win tom brady offense. joins but jerry wants all the credit if tom brady joins it's gonna be all brady you don't think you don't think Jerry would just say, "Hey, I I convinced the best player of you know in the NFL history to come join our team and lead us to a Super Bowl?" No, nah. You know, you know who I want. Maybe this is a reach, but we should just get Lamar. Really? I mean, I'd rather have Lamar over Dak. <laughs> what about uh? What about Derek Carr? No, no. You'd rather have Dak. <laughs> I'd rather have Carr? Dak. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. those are the, the three big names right now, huh? Um, but if you you I mean it's a long shot, probably I like mean, a one percent chance. But okay, what if what if I'll, uh I'll take it if Brady goes to Miami, what about Tua? You take Tua or Dak? Hmm, that's a tough one. It's close. That's that's truly I'll take Cooper Rush. I'll take Cooper Rush. I'll take Cooper Rush. I'll take Cooper Rush. Two years, know. four million dollars. Do you think? Do you think he's gonna go to another team with a chance to start? He better not. <laughs> we can get into this later. Yeah. How do you let it? Let him go. Yeah. I don't think he well, should. He's good enough to start somewhere else. Yeah. He's born to wear the star. Well, we'll get into that stuff later. Um, <laughs> thanks for listening to our football segment, everyone. As usual, we'll round it up with some some non football stuff, and then uh, we'll call it a day. Okay, well, let's finish up with some non non football stuff. Uh, jump over to basketball, Matt. Why don't you provide us our weekly uh, Hawaii basketball update? Well, this past week Hawaii went on the road. Probably their toughest. Uh, road trip this year uh played at uc irvine and then two days later you play at uc riverside two of the top teams in the conference so not a not an easy stretch at all i said going into that if they can get a split that would be great and that would be huge because you went two two tough teams on the road you can't really ask for much more but at the end of the day they did get the split they lost the first game though to UC Irvine. Um, what was that game? Yeah, they lost that game. Let me pull up the score. It was 76-68. But I think in that game is a little deceiving. I thought that game was should have been a, a larger uh, margin of defeat for UH, I think. Um, they started really slow. Um, they just couldn't get out of the gates fast. There's another cold start, and you do that on the road. I mean, you can't really <laughs> can't really do much at that point, honestly. Um, and when you're giving up paint points inside, 
at will, <laughs> you're you're gonna lose. UCI was uh, 26 of 40 in the paint, which is not very good defense. So if you if you can't do that and stop the paint or stop the guys from getting into the paint and in the lane, it's gonna be a long night. And that was the case in that game. But fast forward to Saturday, they played at UC Riverside, who was at the time first place in the conference. And UH grinded out a tough win, 67-63 game over, at the time, the number one team in the conference. That game was all about Bernardo da Silva. It was nice to see him uh, kind of manning the paint inside. I think he had a nice game, 18 points in that game, seven of nine from the field. He's really got to work on his free throw shooting. It's becoming a, a pretty big issue. Um, they're really, they're fouling him late in the game. So, you know, in order for him to stay on the floor, I think he's got to be, he's got to make his free throws. Uh, he was really the one guy that game that didn't make his free throws. And I don't know, man, this guy just keeps playing pretty good. But Jovan had another nice game. Uh, he had 19 points to lead off scores, um, five of 11 from the field, 0 for three from three. But um, you know, again, I think he's kind of found his role. I think he's kind of the the late game closer. The closer, Jovan, the he's closer, McClellan. Not about not about maybe the shot making, but more so like he's the guy you want to get the ball to to knock down two free throws. And I think to have a guy that's confident in that situation. He's not the, I don't think he's the best shooter on the team, but I think he's definitely the most confident and comfortable now in that situation. So to have that guy late in the game is huge. And he hit those late uh, two free throws to really put this game out of reach and put it up by four. So it's nice to see Jovan, you know, building off of what's been a pretty good year so far for him. Uh, UH overall, 45% shooting, pretty good. Had nine turnovers the entire game. That'll work. Um, we've had games where we've had 25 turnovers a game. You lose by like a possession, a couple points here and there. But hey, when you when you take care of the ball on the road, under 10 turnovers, um, good things will happen. So a very nice game. Defense was great. They held Riverside to 31% from the field so i think that's a great win a great road trip to me you get a split you're let's see what are we sitting we are sitting fourth in the conference but we're only one game back of the first place team who we play on thursday back at stan sheriff center we got a big home stand we got uc santa barbara coming on thursday that's a huge game obviously for first place in the conference so I would hope the fans come out to that one. Um, I think it's going to be a big game. And then we got Bakersfield on Saturday. I would think they should win that game. But, you know, talking about records, you know, on, on the road against tough teams, let's let's try to split. But we got to defend home court. So I, I need UH to come out and win both of these games. Set the tone against Santa Barbara and say, we're here. This is our year. We have the talent. I would put UH's talent up against anybody in the Big West this year. It's just about execution to me in the late game. And I can't believe I'm saying it, but 
I gotta trust Javon, man. I gotta trust them. I, I got no choice. But yep, I I think this is a huge test for UHN. I think they're gonna come out victorious this week. So hey, let let's see. If we win two games, we're gonna be in first. So that's right where you want to be, late in January. And it's a it's a long season, but hey, we're we're doing good. We're doing good so far. Okay. Well. Still hoping we're going dancing. Uh, That's the goal. It's you just got to win three games in that tournament. <laughs> it's looking like we have a decent chance. Uh, we as have long a great as we learn from everything. Uh, from this from this year, I think I think UH has a really good chance. So, yeah, we just got to stay healthy too. That's the key. Um. Okay. Well, other basketball news. We haven't talked a lot of pro basketball. You know, NBA stuff. We usually don't get into it until after after the Super Bowl, but since uh, it involves one of our teams, <laughs> my team being being the Lakers, uh, we got to talk about it. So the Lakers traded Kendrick Nunn, three second round picks for Rui Hachimura. Uh, we got a Japanese guy on the Lakers now. Nice. I'll take it. But more importantly, we got a big, um, you know, he's 6'8" lengthy uh pretty good wing defender and he has been you know pretty i guess a pleasant surprise on offense for the wizards considering how many you know uh like kuzma now has has the big role on that team and i know this because i got kuzma and hachimura in my like fantasy league so i've been keeping up with both of them i got kuzma um, <laughs> and so hachimura he's been doing you know uh, in his limited minutes and opportunities, he he shows flashes. I think he has a thirty point game this year. Uh, so he's capable of of scoring the ball. And uh, if he can just solidify kind of his catch and shoot, uh, three pointers, it's a little bit down this year. But you know, over I think the past two seasons, he he's shooting at about forty percent on on threes, catch and shoot, which is not bad. Uh, any any kind of shooter we can get um i mean we we've kind of been relying on austin reeves right as as our one of our main forwards uh Wenyan gabriel and you know well thomas bryant's been playing excellent in 80s uh absence so you know looking for this team to get healthy again uh we should have have guys coming back and hopefully you know Rui Rui is the piece that can kind of take uh pressure off lebron with the second unit kind of be a scorer even maybe a facilitator i'm not you know, we'll see how how he is with the ball in his hands but he doesn't need to right we got we got russ running the second unit schroeder has been playing really well and you know hey i i don't know you know maybe we'll see his potential unlocked sometimes that's all it takes right especially in the nba uh you go to a system that kind of utilizes you in a different way or uses your skill set uh a little bit better and you can see guys really take off. So crossing my fingers there uh, for Rui, it would be really nice. Um, guess we'll have to see how the rest of the season plays out. But, hey, the Lakers were hanging in there. Uh, you know, the West, extremely difficult. But as it stands, we're only one game out from the 10 spot. So, oh, and the 9 and the 10 are tied, right? I mean, the West still, like, insanely close. Uh, Denver and Memphis kind of starting to pull away just a little bit from the from the rest of the pack. Uh, 
But, uh, I mean, you look at, I guess you could say, the three seed all the way down to the 13 seed, which is the Lakers and Portland right there. Uh, only nine games separate the three and the 12 seed. So still, like, incredibly close out west. So I like our chances. Uh, maybe this is a move that we need to get us uh, on, on the right track here. But, yeah, I think I think uh, I think we can do it. So let me keep my finger. Well, let, let me ask you one thing. Do you think they're going to re-sign Rui after this year? Because I think that was – That's what, what it sounds like. That's what it's supported, right? Mm-hmm. It's more sounds of a like long-term like, investment. They like what they see. Um, and hopefully it works out. You know, playing with LeBron – doesn't always work out like a lot of people expect it to, right? You see a lot of young guys struggle around LeBron. Uh, it, it's kind of hard for for a young player to find their rhythm uh, when you're sharing a court with LeBron, let alone, let alone with LeBron and AD. And you have a Westbrook now. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. I think Rui has potential. Hopefully, uh, I... And I'll give credit to Darvin Ham because I thought I think he's been doing pretty well this year, keeping everyone in check, keeping everyone happy with the injuries. Uh, for us to be, you know, right there, the thick of it. Uh, I th- I think he's done a pretty good job this year. But yeah, we'll we'll have to see. I wouldn't mind keeping Rui honestly. Um, yeah, you gotta be one of the youngest guys on the team too, right now, probably. Yeah, twenty four. <laughs> um, which is pretty much a vet uh in, in, in today's the NBA now. game. So uh yeah. I'm excited. Um okay. Well Matt, I think that'll do for our pod here today. Uh why don't you wrap us up with our sports fact? All right. So I wasn't sure which sports fact to do, so I'll say this one, but I'll stick with football. So we're recording on January twenty third. So just last year January 3rd or 23rd, 2022, Buffalo's wide receiver Gabe Davis scored a NFL record four touchdowns in the playoffs with the Bills last year against the Chiefs. And we all know that game because uh, that's one of the probably one of the greatest games in NFL playoff history with two young gun quarterbacks going at it. Kansas City won 42-36 in OT. Didn't let Josh Allen get the ball back. And we all know the rest of the story. The NFL changed the rules changed in the, the playoffs rules. this year just off of that game. I'm hoping that we get to see it come into play yeah. at some point. And maybe that's the Kansas City Bengals game. But I, maybe, I could see maybe. it. I could see maybe. It. But yeah, crazy that was one year ago. And we, I remember... We were texting each other, watching the game. We're like, oh, my gosh. And you were like, this game's not over. And then sure enough, Mahomes <laughs> comes back. And I was like, gosh. Should have been 13 seconds. 13 seconds. 13 seconds. Come on, Buffalo. Can happen. It's always right. Buffalo, too, man. They always have these heartbreaking losses. They're just trying to spoon feed Josh Allen so much. Um, I know. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, I know, uh, you know, you got a, you got a lot of fanatic on this one, right? Uh, the passion from him is going to die down a little bit until we start talking about the Cowboys again. Don't worry. He, he still will love to, to break down his championship game. And 
when we get into the Super Bowl, uh, it'll be a lot of fun. But, you know, Matt, I just want to say congrats. It was a good season. It's not the outcome you expected, it, of course. It's a, it's a failure. Um, Don't say it's a good season. It's a failure. Okay. We didn't win. Well, well, yeah. All right. Well, I I tried. I tried to encourage you, but you know what? You don't you don't need that. You you need the cold hard truth. I have right? Dak Prescott on my team. How can anything be better? Like I'm stuck with this guy. Yeah. That you are. Um, okay. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh we'll catch you guys next week. Um, yeah, everyone stay safe. Have a good have a good week and we'll catch you guys later.